Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer. Joined as always by Nick Jacobs. and That's uh, me. <laughs> and we're both, uh, look, um, uh, little, little, you know, secret of the business. We're not always in a good mood when we record these podcasts, um, but I feel like you and I are, are, are in a relatively good mood today. So it's going to be a good podcast, Nick. I just had food, so that normally picks up my spirits. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, that, I'm like that Snickers commercial. I'm the angry, bitter person before the Snickers <laughs> and then afterwards. I'm, I'm really that, normal. That's why when, when um, he needs um, Todd Dash, Todd Dash delivers. <laughs> Some people don't know what Todd Dash is, so you better explain it to him real quick. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just a joke we make when I pick up lunch for Nick. Um, and then very he, rarely, let's not act like this is an everyday thing. And then he okay. refuses, refuses to tip me. Uh, well, well, I mean, it, it, maybe if you get better tips, you'd get lunch more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's the problem. <laughs> hey, when, when, uh, whenever, uh, whenever Jacob's dash has gone out and got just something, huh? Where's that tip? Right, right. Well, fair point. Yeah, absolutely uh, we, nothing. But you never heard me complain. I just did the job accordingly and moved <laughs> on about my day. Uh, I also didn't put it on, you know, didn't put it on social media. So yeah, but I, I got but, your permission first before I did no, that. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm no. not gonna blast you like that, dude. Get out of here. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was it's all it's all it's all fun and games. Um, well, part of the problem is like we only actually work in the building together one day a week these days because of the way our schedules work out. So there's limited opportunities for Todd Dash because I have a very, very limited delivery range as well. Yeah, and then I was I was also gone for like a week and a half from the building. Yeah, there was there was that too. Um speaking of things that are limited, um what chance do you give the Chiefs defense to stop Derrick Henry this week? Because that's the big question, right? I mean, oh yeah, that's our best question. Like, I mean, yeah, Patrick Mahomes in the offense—they gotta stop turning the ball over. But even even with that, they're on historic pace in terms of points per drive, historic pace in terms of third down conversions. They're still one of the best offenses in the league, even though they're turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate. So. I, I, I got to be honest. I'm not as worried about the offense as I am with uh, being able to stop Derrick Henry, covering Derrick Henry when they throw in the pass in the flats and he's out in space. Like, um, uh, it's a tall order for that Chiefs defense. Do you want to rant first? Absolutely. I'll give you a rant. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know what I'm sick and tired of? National sports media. That's what I'm tired of. All it took was four games, four Chiefs losses for them to all jump off their little bandwagon. And what it is is they get tired about talking about the same thing over and over again. Like they get tired of it. They get tired of trying to have to be creative and come up with angles or just accept the reality. So as soon as they see a team, whether it was the Chiefs, the Patriots, whoever, they 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 immediately can find a new topic to talk about. They're just always hoping that you know, the, the, the Raiders will knock off the chiefs last year, whenever they got all excited about that or, or some other game, you know, so that they have something new and fresh to talk about for a while before they, uh, before they beat that topic uh, into an oblivion and then have to try to pivot to the next one. So it just kind of been funny to me to see how, Oh, the chiefs demise is this, and this has happened and that's happened. And they, you can tell they don't watch tape and they're not paying attention because of what the chiefs offense is still doing despite all those things. And despite all those turnovers, they're still actually having a pretty impressive season and a dominant season. It just is overshadowed by the issues on defense or the turnovers. So that was my rant for the day. That's all I got to say about that. 
but they basically tattle on themselves whenever they whenever they have their takes that they do and basically show me that they don't put in the proper prep work to have them uh, to even really be talking about the topics they talk about. But you know what? They probably get paid pretty well to do it. So tip of the, tip of the cap to them on that one. Uh, and part of me wonders, like, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have those three passes, the, the Marcus Kemp and the two Tyreek Hill ones that go for interceptions, uh, you know, one of them for a touchdown, um, and, and let's say he converts a couple of those drives. If he's got 20 touchdowns and, and five interceptions this season, um, and maybe the Chiefs turned around, you know, that Chargers game, which they easily could have done, right? If they get a touchdown there instead of giving up the interception, I mean, they lost that, that game by six. Maybe they somehow turn that game around despite being minus three in turnovers, uh, and they're four and two right now heading into into this game. I think the narrative is completely different, and, and that's why you know I agree with your point. Like I, I don't think they've paid a lot of attention to just how good this offense really has been. I mean, for them to have as many turnovers as they've had, but still have the highest points per drive of any team in the last twenty five years. 2007 Patriots, 2001 Rams, name the best offense you can think of in NFL history. The Chiefs are scoring more points per drive than they did. That's just a fact, even with all the turnovers. Um, So I don't think the Chiefs are getting enough credit. But the question still comes down to, can the defense stop Nick Henry, Nick Jacobs, or Derrick Henry, Nick Jacobs? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know about this Nick Henry fella. I don't know about him. I mean, I can they know. stop Derek Jacobs? Then I don't know about the, anybody's got a last name Jacobs. You're not stopping. They're a relentless bunch. Um, but no, I mean, looking at Derek Henry, like the key to him is whenever I was watching the past handful of games that they had, they like to put him at seven and nine yards if they want to if they want to have a good run. So like that's whenever I can tell that okay, I, I counted up real quick. I'm like uh, he's at seven. Okay, he's at nine here. Normally, when he's at nine, they're really, really wanting to do more of a stretch or a or a pitch toss type of run. Seven, they're they're occasionally trying to run inside, or they're still trying to run off tackle. Not as wide, but get them there a little bit quicker. And then it's really weird because whenever they're at eight yards, they normally like to do play action out of that. So that's one of their more five step drop play actions that they do with uh, whenever they have Derrick Henry at eight. So. I'm I'm hoping teams uh, have picked up on that because it's it's just a, it's a little minor difference, but I mean you can kind of tell it if you count it up, and if they have somebody an eye in the sky up top watching it and uh, counting that up, they can be able to to kind of give people a heads up on that one. Um, but well, the- and, and just it, it makes sense, right? Because when you're in a seven yard, you're a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, so you can hit that hole a little bit earlier. Uh, if you're at eight, it gives you a chance to get in position if you need to block or anything like that. At nine yards, you get a chance to build up some momentum, get some speed going so you can get to the edge and maybe beat a backer coming up or a safety trying to fill a gap on the edge, right? I mean, it, do, do you feel like it makes sense the way that the Titans have done it, even if it might be a little bit of a tell? It's just whenever it works, sure. Um, but just kind of one of the things that intrigues me about it is just kind of the fact that, like, they want to get him up to full speed by the time he's getting ready to hit the hole. So that's the, like you said, that's what those two do, but it gives the defensive line. If if you have a good enough defensive line, it gives them plenty of time to be able to set the edge and be able to kind of really force them back into pursuit at that point. And it gives the linebackers a little bit more time to read. So it, it, it just, 
it's interesting in some regard, but at the same time, I think it allows if defenses are disciplined, I think it allows them plenty of time where you come into an issue with it is if they do, if they are doing the play action at the eight yard mark, that does allow some potential for some massive voids for some of their slants and crosses that they love to run whenever they're doing play action with, uh, with Derrick Henry and Tano. That, and that's why I think this could be kind of a boomer bust game for, for Nick Bolton, because I think his, his ability to diagnose a play and hit the hole and hit it with power. I think he, he's ideally suited to be, uh, to go up against a guy like a Derrick Henry, I think. And look, he did it year after year with Mizzou against SEC back. So this isn't anything new to him. He's done this before. The pass coverage is where he struggled a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how they mix it up. You know, Anthony Hitchens is going to be out with that tricep injury. You know, last week it was Ben Neiman that, that was in there most of the time. If they feel comfortable with somebody else calling the plays, you know, may, maybe you can get somebody in there. If it's Ben Neiman, I think it could be a long day for this defense. Yeah, Ben Neiman's going to be a massive liability in this game, no matter if it's run or pass. But I fully expect him to be out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> History um, suggests. <laughs> yeah, it suggests he's going to be the one out there. I mean, I'd love to see Bolton at the middle linebacker spot, and then Sorensen at that weak side spot. That's what I would right. love to see. Yeah, with yeah with Gay at strong side. That I think that gives you your your most athletic linebacking group you could put out there. Now the other key part you need is Chris Jones at the three tech spot. Like you've got to admit that it's not working out with Jaron Reed. You got to have Naughty in there. You got to have Clark and Dana. And that's, that's gotta be your group because like Dana and Clark can both set the edge because guess what happened in 2019 on one of Derrick Henry's cutback runs. Chris Jones was a defensive end and he was, he was a, he was a ways away from where the hole was and the play was <laughs> and he didn't collapse down and he didn't cut off that backside and then Henry ran for a 50, 60 yard game. Yeah. I feel like we saw issues with Chris Jones and, uh, you know, against Cleveland and, and Baltimore setting the edge of the first couple of weeks of the season as well. Um, looks like he's going to be back. That's good news one way or another. I think, um, it still doesn't sound like they're ready to, to quite give up the experiment yet, but, but I, that's not, look, I'll say it. I'll say this, the, the chiefs, like kind of you know, it getting out that one Thornhill was replacing Daniel Sorensen wasn't like, earth-shattering news. I think anybody who had watched the film knew that Daniel Sorensen wasn't playing his best football um, and had become a liability, if you, especially if you watch that Buffalo game. Um, I don't think that the Chiefs would announce that they're moving Chris Jones back inside before they do it. So that doesn't mean it won't happen, but they sure, certainly have not signaled that they're ready to give up on that experiment yet. No, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody. I would make the Titans right. prepare as if he's going to be a DN the entire time. Just do that. Don't don't have to say it out loud. Don't let anybody know. Just let people assume he's going to be a defensive end. And then on game day, oh, hey, surprise, he's a three-tack. <laughs> well, and the truth of the matter is, I think in some ways, I mean, yes, it comes down to his health with his wrist, but I think it also comes down to Frank Clark's health. I think if Frank Clark is healthy, you can move Chris Jones back inside. If he's not, I think you have to have Chris Jones at defensive end for, for the rotation right now. So... The, the fact that Frank Clark is back, I think, allows them to, to move him inside if they want to. And, and honestly, I think you're going to see them mix it up. I think Chris Chris Jones will take plenty of reps. Now, whether that's 40% of reps inside, 50, 60, whatever, I think you're going to see Chris Jones inside and outside this game. 
I think if you want to, if y'all want to win, put Chris Jones in three tech, <laughs> plain and simple, man. Especially well, that play action pass with as quickly as he could come up field and collapse that pocket. That's that's what you need at three tech. You need Chris Jones doing that. You don't want him out at the nine spot. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like I I, I get why they did it, but at the end of the day, Chris Jones is a mediocre pass rusher off the edge. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not he's not exceptional. When he when Chris Jones is on the interior and he he's healthy, he's right, he's playing motivated. He's the most disruptive force inside other than probably Aaron Donald, you know, at the defensive tackle spot and I would rather have him dominate inside than be mediocre outside. That's just that's just I, that would be my preference and I, I think ultimately the, the Chiefs are going to have to come around to that realization. It would be nice. It would be nice. It would help their defense out a tremendous, a tremendous deal. Right. And and look, I mean, getting Charvarius Ward back to have another guy in there, I think would be helpful. Um, if only because Rashad Fenton's been playing well, and maybe that means my cues is not quite as much. Um, and, you know, and you get Juan Thornhill in there still, um, I, you know, I think all of a sudden, you know, I think they're finding some pieces to come together. Um, that could be helpful. But one thing I did want to ask you about too is all the attention in this game is being paid to, you know, Derrick Henry, blah, blah, blah. Do you know who the last four weeks, which team ranks fourth in the NFL in rushing at over 153 yards a game? I'm assuming it's going to be the Chiefs. It is the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. You're bringing that up. Yeah, the last four weeks, the Chiefs have, have actually been. Um, one of the best running teams in the NFL. If they get Daryl Williams going um, and make Tennessee respect them, does that secondary have any chance against Patrick Mahomes in this offense? As no, as no. It's the run and passer, but if the run's going and then the pass, yeah, it's gonna they're gonna have a bad time because that uh, that secondary for uh, for the Titans just <clears throat> they had to let go of some guys and because they had to financially pay for some other things and that once that happened that was kind of that was kind of the end of their defense being anything competent in the secondary and the injuries on top of it's been a problem so yeah the titans don't their secondary may be as bad as the one the chiefs went against uh when they played the colts in the playoff game so um it's it's l- certainly less than ideal yeah and they're i mean and even the guys that they have available, like, um, you know, uh, uh, Armani Hooker, it, it, he left practice Friday uh, and was limited with a groin injury. Um, so they're, they're, they're thin. I mean, they, they were down to like their last few cornerbacks last week. So that, that's going to be going to be a tough go for them. I mean, I, I, I have to assume, I mean, Tyreek Hill officially questionable again. He was limited at practice Friday. Um, similar to what we saw last week, but he played and, and was effective. Um, you know, we saw that with Travis Kelsey, they held him out a little bit. Um, do you think that, do you think that Tyree kill and, and Travis Kelsey are at the point in their career where like the Titans rest Derrick Henry pretty much every week. Right. And there are other teams that if they've got big, important guys that, that don't necessarily need the reps to stay sharp, they give them rest to make sure they stay healthy. Are we starting to get to that point with Tyreek and Travis where, you know, we should just expect them to maybe take a day off during the week and 
save some tread on those tires? Yes, I would save all the tread that you can at this point. Yeah. Because until you have viable replacements behind them long term, and even then, I'd still give them the rest. Um, you're kind of, this is kind of the point of no return in some regard to where Kelsey's going to end up on the injury report more. Tyreek's going to end up on the injury report more. And this is kind of where they're, they're getting between that peak to the decline in their careers, just physically. And it's not their fault. It's just the amount of hits that they take and the wear and tear on their body catches up to times undefeated it's catch it's going to catch up to them and like you don't know i mean the organization doesn't know they don't know when it's going to happen but this is kind of typically the time where it starts to kind of slow down for guys so this is where for both of them any rest you can give them during the week that's that's a smart play that's a welcome thing to try to help them be able to kind of be able to compete on game days and any rest you can give them during training camps not a bad thing either so yeah, no, they're both at the stage with how important they are to the offense. You need them on Sundays. You don't need them necessarily getting the reps on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Right. I mean, make sure that, you know, Friday game and, you know, when they're finalizing game install, walking through and it's a lighter day. Yeah. You know, make sure they're in there. But, um, you know, similar situation, Joe Tooney with the hand, um, you know, didn't practice till Friday. Then he was a full go. So I'd expect him to be available. Yeah. He makes uh, me feel bad each week. He goes out there and plays in the NFL <laughs> makes me feel bad that I didn't even come on a podcast with my broken wrist a couple of years ago. <laughs> makes me feel like less of a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a week to recover. You, you did it that morning. So, so slightly different still either way, man. I mean, like, you know, just, just, I don't, I don't feel as, uh, I don't feel as good whenever that's the case. Yeah. I'll be honest. We did reach out to Joe Tooney this week to see if he wanted to replace you as, as the podcast host and he declined. So, um, it makes sense, dude. He's busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I am a little surprised that Jody Fortson hasn't officially gone on IR yet, but, um, um, you know, I mean, I guess they didn't feel any urgency to replace the spot on the roster. They already know what they're doing. So like, I mean, (laughs) and the player they're going to bring up is like already available. So, I mean, they they don't really have to do anything. It's just, I was just, I mean, I was hoping to hear that, you know, like, I don't normally, that's normally a Saturday afternoon move. Like that's, I was like, I'm just saying, I was kind of hoping that some pass rush help or something like that might be coming, you know? Yeah, no, there was a, <laughs> there was a chance that pass rush help was coming, but, uh, that, uh, that situation with, uh, Whitney, uh, merciless didn't, uh, you know, didn't, didn't pan out. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it didn't have any, it didn't have anything to do with financial, It just wasn't, it wasn't going to be an ideal fit on that one. Yeah. Cause there's, yeah. let me put it this way. There, there's some veteran players that, they like assurances if they're going to go somewhere. And then if they don't get those and another team gives those, then they kind of lean towards that way. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, so I may have heard a couple things about what was involved. Right. Well, and, and I, I'm never a fan of like guaranteeing playing time or, um, you know, locking yourself into, to, uh, you know, longer term deal, you know, cause so that's sometimes guys, they want to know that you're going to sign them beyond, beyond this year. Or they want to know, um, you know, that they're going to get a certain amount of playing time or be used in a certain way. And it's, you know, um, you know, sometimes you get a guy in and it's, and, and you realize you need to use them in a different way. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I think uh, that- Todd picked up what I was putting down, <laughs> you gotta, you know, 
you got to be flexible. Both sides have got to be flexible. So, uh, but maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the chiefs will still, I mean, the chiefs are going to see Whitney merciless down the road. So, um, when green Bay comes to town, so, um, touche Todd, touche. They, well, I mean, they seem to be collecting off casts that, um, you know, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's Dallas linebackers or, you know, Texas defensive ends, whatever it is, they, they like those guys to get released from Texas. Apparently they're, they're apparently a big fan of them right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one thing I do think that I wanted to get your take on was the impact of Taylor Luan being out the, the left tackle, um, you know, pro bowl left tackle suffered a concussion in the bills game. And frankly, it may have cost him the game because, um, when, when the bills, you know, uh, or may, uh, never mind, it, never mind. But, um, it, it, Taylor, the, I, I'm thinking of, I've got the, uh, the Chris Broussard, I wasn't going to say anything out loud. I was going to help you. If I needed to help you on your journey, I was going to. Right, right. No, I'm still replaying them in my head. But I, I mean, I think, I mean, Taylor the one that's got to help Frank Clark, right? Like that's got to help Frank Clark set the edge, maybe get a couple pressures, uh, you know, that he's not going against a guy like Luan. It does. It certainly doesn't hurt. So yeah, it can help the Chiefs a little bit. How much it does remains to be seen, obviously, because there's been times where I'm like, hey, this is this opportunity is really going to help him out. And then I'm like, oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> so, right. We, yeah, right. We thought that when when Ronnie Stanley was out and Villanueva had to move from right tackle to left tackle. And you're, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Like they're weakened at two spots. It's like the Super Bowl last year. And then it was like, oh, no, Villanueva is more comfortable on this side and yeah. the chiefs don't know how to defend this. And it turned out to be a disaster. So. Yeah. So that's why I'm, it's kind of one of those wait and see approaches. Is there an opportunity? Yes. Will it be taken <laughs> advantage of who knows? Right. Right. Um, so um, I wanted to get your thoughts flipping to the other side, the other offensive line. Um, the chiefs made a change at, at right tackle. Yeah. Swapping out veteran Mike Rimmers for Lucas Niang last week. Um, what did you see on on tape to make you think that that was the right move and that that's going to pay dividends moving forward, um, or or was it kind of six of one, half dozen of the other? Um, it it helped. I think what I personally think is I think they were I think they were more concerned about Chase Young than people realized, just how good of a rusher he is rotating from both sides, and so I think that kind of provided a little bit of stability, and you kind of saw it help more in the second half of the game. Um, whenever the offense got clicking at that point. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon. I think rumors are going to be in there for a little bit. And it kind of allows them, if they need to do some chips and they need to put a tight end on the side, they can rotate it more now towards uh, Orlando Brown side where the help is kind of more needed on the blind side than they have to either <clears throat> choose their own adventure between left and right tackle because both those spots have had hiccups at times this year. And Niang's been asked to do a lot and try to beat a certain level when it's essentially his rookie year in the NFL. I know he was drafted, but I mean, he didn't get to play last year. So in that, in that regard, that kind of, it took a, he, he got thrown into the fire there and he did the best he could. And it's, it's going to be a work in progress for a while. Orlando well, Brown should be up to a certain point And he's just, he hasn't, <clears throat> he's, his skill set is a, it is what it is, and the Chiefs are going to have to make some long-term decisions on that um, from a financial perspective. But I, I think who Orlando Brown is right now, I think, is who he's going to be as a left tackle in their scheme. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. But look, Rivers was fantastic last year when he stepped in for, for Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. He was, he was very good. He was not the problem with the offensive line last year. I get that in the Super Bowl, he didn't play well when they moved him to left tackle. Um, and that's fine, but nobody on that offensive line played well in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think, I still don't think Mike Rimmers was the problem. And I think there's a chance if Mike Rimmers doesn't get hurt in training camp and miss most of it, he might beat out Lucas Niang anyway. Um, you know, kudos to Lucas Niang for, for holding on to that job in training camp. But, um, you know, I mean, I look, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is comfortable, um, with, with Mike Rimmers at right tackle and, uh, um, you know, and you saw that once they kind of got, like you said, they got clicking in the second half last week. When, when you rewatch that game, you know, cause we talked about, it, it was kind of a tale of two halves. What did click into place for that offense last week? Um, part of it was some of the coverages Washington was doing like they, the chiefs were starting to manipulate them a little bit when they'd take Hill away, they take Hill and Kelsey away. And then so Patrick started taking advantage of some of the other matchups, whether it was a check down or getting it to McColl or getting it to Robinson or um, even Pringle at some points. And then the run game, they they got in a good rhythm at that point with Daryl Williams to be able to kind of help them effectively attack what Washington was giving them. And they stayed in good, manageable down and distances. So those combined is kind of just what helped keep the Chiefs on – on par down in distance wise. So they had the full flexibility of their playbook versus at times when you have a hold or you have something that happens and it's third and 15 or third and 20, and then they have to give up and run a little halfback screen that they know is not going to get the yardage, but it's a safe play. Yeah. And, and the chiefs have done, you know, a historically good job on third down, but part of that's because they've done, you know, they've been pretty effective on first and second down too to put themselves in, in pretty manageable situations. I don't see that changing uh, anytime soon. I mean, I, I, it's hard to see a defense on the schedule in the next couple of weeks that's going to be able to um, disrupt what the Chiefs are doing. So as long as they can, you know, they don't even have to completely eliminate, but just cut down the turnovers, right? Like don't have three or four in a game. <laughs> like, um, limited to maybe one dumb play, and, and I think they'll be all right. It would also help if the if the defense could come up with a a few game changing plays. I mean, I think that made all the difference last week um, as well. You know, you saw the defense after going sixteen quarters, you know, four full games without forcing a turnover, make a few plays, um, and, and so I think if that continues, it, it takes the pressure off the defense, and I don't expect them to go out and only give up 76 yards and a half on a regular basis, but it's nice to know they can. Let's keep one Thornhill back there. Put Chris Jones at three tech change Bolton, the middle linebacker move Sorensen to, to the weak side linebacker. And you have a really good shot of, of being able to kind of keep teams in check enough while your offense is able to score at will. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, like, as long as Patrick Mahomes is upright, you're going to have a chance to score 30 or 40 every game. Um, so uh, do you expect this to be a shootout kind of like that 2019 game, which was Patrick's first game back from the knee injury he suffered in the Denver game where the, the you know, where they had to reduce the patella on the field and um, you know everybody thought that the season was potentially over. And then, you know, he comes back like after two weeks off and, uh, and really, 
was fantastic in that game against the Titans before you know the defense gave it up. Do you see this being a similar game where whoever has the ball last is probably going to win because it's going to be a shootout? I think it all just comes down to Derrick Henry. If they keep him in check, then I think the Chiefs can have a comfortable, a comfortable win. But if they don't, then I think it's going to end up being a nail biter and the Chiefs are going to have to make sure their special teams is on point when it comes to field goals and a couple other things um, to make sure that they don't have a questionable third and two that ends up turning into a field goal that they blunder. And then Humphrey scores a touchdown off a deep post route against Fenton that gives the Titans the lead. And luckily Humphrey's not there anymore, but it'll be some other receiver we don't know about right now. <laughs> um, but not Chester Rogers though. Mm, He's out. Yeah, definitely not him. Um, but yeah, it's it just the part of the Titans problem is they don't have a, a liable tight end since they lost Smith to, to the Patriots and free agency. So like that's, that's caused a lot of their problems to where they've made themselves to where, Hey, if Julio's got his hamstring and if AJ Brown's not feeling hundred percent with the food, you know, the food poisoning. And if Henry, if you can slow him down, then like they become really limited in who they are on top of the secondary issues. So there's, there's ton of opportunity for the chiefs to be able to kind of make a statement in this game and have a comfortable win, but it's gonna, it's gonna take a lot of who they were in the second half of that Washington game being that for a full four quarters is going to be a big part of that. And I, I, you know, it's still early in the season. You hate to say it's a must win or anything like that, but I, if the chiefs are going to have any shot at getting back in the race for the number one seed, this is absolutely a must win because you've got Baltimore and uh, you know, and Buffalo, they're still ahead of them and, and have the tiebreaker and you're not getting another crack at them. Like you are uh, against the chargers um, you know, I mean, the Chiefs still control their own fate in the AFC West, but they've got to win this game and then they need some help, which the Titans provided last Monday by beating the Buffalo Bills, but they need a lot more help. And I don't think they can afford to drop this one if they're going to have any shot at that down the road. I mean, honestly, as well as Baltimore's playing, it already may be over, right? I mean, Baltimore may not lose four games this year to give you a chance, even if you went out, but I don't think Baltimore, I don't think you can count on either of those teams losing five to give you a shot. Um, and expecting this team to, you know, to win, you know, what would it be 10 in a row to close the season? If you drop to three and four this weekend, this is a big one. If the chiefs want to, you know, want the AFC to continue to go through arrowhead in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, uh, with the Ravens uh, on their schedule, I mean, they're going to have the Browns twice, the Steelers twice, the Packers, the Bengals and the Rams. So, I mean, there's, there's a chance for them to stumble a couple of times and get back down to earth in some regard, the bills, if I remember correctly, the bills really don't have as much in their way for them. Well, actually there's a stretch there where the bills take on the Colts, saints, Patriots, Buccaneers, and Panthers. So, I mean, there's, there's a chance in there where they have a, they have a couple of times where they could stumble too. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's within striking distance for them. But the reality of it is right now is that the Chiefs are the ninth seed right now if the playoffs started today. And the, the Chiefs and Steelers are basically not in the playoffs if it started today. Luckily, it doesn't. There's a lot of football left. I, I think they actually moved up to eighth with Denver's loss. No, I, I'm looking at the NFL thing right now. They're They're still behind the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, but I thought Denver was... 
I thought Denver was seventh coming into the week. Maybe Denver's tenth. It. Denver's tenth right now. The Chiefs are ninth. Yeah. Steelers are eighth. Browns are seventh. So regardless, uh, you got to stack wins if you want to get in the playoffs. So yes. Um, I mean, I'm pretty confident this is going to be one of those games they win seventy-seven nothing. But uh, do you have a prediction for this one? No, I don't. I expect them to win. So, so you're going to co-sign on 77-0? I will never co-sign on anything that you have idea-wise. Um, we should get no, a I, mean, I, lunch. I, I feel like they're going to – I feel like this is a game they can win. I feel like it's going to be closer than it should be. But I, just, I feel like there's enough there for them to attack and be able to come out with a with a win. I'm just curious to see how much damage Derrick Henry does along the way. Yeah, I mean, look, last time they played him, I mean, look, he obviously had a big game in that, the, you know, the, the week eight, week nine game, whatever it was we were, we were talking about um, in 2019. But if you remember the chiefs held them to under, I think under 70 yards in the AFC championship game a few months after that. Um, and, and they got down 17, seven, and then ended up winning 35, 24. So I would encourage chiefs fans. Don't panic. If Derrick Henry runs it down, the defense is thrown on the first drive and the chiefs get behind. There's four quarters. You still got Patrick Mahomes. Everybody calm down pump the brakes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it all comes down to if they can stop Derrick Henry, I think the chiefs win and probably win comfortably and, and cover that four and a half point spread. Um, you know, if not, um, we could have a sad podcast on Sunday, Nick. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be sad at this point. Somber. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't even know if it'll be that just to, it'll just depend. You want to just, so just like replay the Bills podcast, like see if anybody notices. <laughs> oh, people will notice. <laughs> so, all right. Well, hey, I got nothing else. So, that's good. We should probably stop then. All right. Take care, kids.